Quiet on the set. Action. Welcome to the Movie Machine Podcast, where we create a movie based on a random prompt from the internet, and I am joined with three big Hollywood elites here. Our writer, Neville McKenney, uh, who, yo, is, yo, yo. who is also the writer on the newly announced Beta Ray Bill movie of Marvel what? Universe. I know. My life's now complete. Yep. Nicolas Cage has been cast now in it. Now my life's not complete. Um... Our director, Ian Nystrom, who is uh, an uncredited CGI artist on every single film. It's a lot of work. And our producer, Kyle Decker, who is Dwayne The Rock Johnson's body double. Yeah, yeah. Um, the suit takes a while to get into, being that I'm a, compared to Dwayne The Rock Johnson, a fat white man. Right. But, but the bodysuit makes me look perfectly Samoan and swole. So. <laughs> right. Okay. So oh. that wasn't a typo what I read. Okay, good. Uh, the theme of the story is an epic mystery. The main character, a well-traveled king. The start of the story, dream. The end of the story, temptation. Yeah, you know, so I think, I, you know, I've been on the comic book circuit for a little bit, but I, I, I think what I envision with this story is less of a comic book theme, but still in that kid's imagination. I definitely want to see it on Disney Channel. Um, I could see it on Saturday morning, just, you know, my kid when he was younger he's 35 now but when he was 12 i could see him watching this movie um and it's it's a coming of age story it's a kid who is crowned king at 16. he's given a ton of wealth and so he's dealing with a lot of dreams and temptations and just uh who is he and you know is, is he going to be who his father was or um, and the thing is that he just knows stories about his father, but he doesn't know um, who he really is. And so he's sitting on this quest to find these pieces of this armor. Um, it's kind of a um, 12th century um, Middle East sort of genre era. Um, I can see one of the Lawrence brothers. Um, maybe we could CGI one of the Lawrence brothers. Um, and so um, it's, it's a coming of age story. And so I, I think uh, the name of the story, I got it in my head for right now, um, but the kid to be kinged. There it is. So, uh, so I can see it. I think it will be a great children's movie. I think we could package it with a lot of other resources for kids, um, again, on Disney Channel. And I think with the theme of, of like dreaming and temptation, I would really like to get into some like psyche stuff in his brain, like him kind of daydreaming and... Um, his own poetry that he writes and a lot of the movie would be just him by himself but it'll be like another version of him in the form of his dad talking to him and so kind of these different temptations talking to him so not until like half middle in the middle of the movie is there um, other characters that are fully invested in conversation so I think that will really be really intense so I'm really excited about it but um, yeah I think this would be great for kids all right, so we have the, the script for The Kid That Would Be King. Uh, we're passing it off to our talented director. And how are you going to take this concept and move it forward? Now, I, I like the coming-of-age aspect of it. I really would like the mystery of it to be focused on 
who this kid that is to be king, he's been... He doesn't know his father. He doesn't know the previous king. He only hears stories about him. I want this movie to be kind of divided into half of it being the present story of the kid searching for his father's armor because he needs to have it for the coronation ceremony in which he'll be crowned king. And then half of it being his father doing that essentially the same actions when it was when he was in his place and the kind of the juxtaposition between these two being kind of the crux of the movie. Now I'm seeing now as a kids movie we want to have some comforting voices to be maybe the kind of voices from the past for uh, you know someone that's kid friendly enjoyable to watch enjoyable for the whole family i'm thinking the voice of the father being maybe christopher walken now the kid uh you know <laughs> christopher walken's a heart maybe i don't know how much he goes for these days but you know, the kid, you know, kids are, the nice thing about kids is, you know, kids are kids. You'll just get any kid that we can, you know, find someone relatively inexpensive that we can, you know, make look good on the screen. Uh, a lot of this is going to be, uh, I'd like to film a lot of kind of natural vistas, you know, kind of a Lord of the Rings style quest where he's going on these things. And, you know, along the way he'll come across problems that he'll need to solve and, you know, remember stories from his childhood about, uh, you know, how his father dealt with those and, you know, maybe he'll try the same thing and maybe he won't and maybe the outcome will be better, maybe they'll be worse, but he'll learn something about himself along the way and I think, uh, I think we can all be happy with this. And, uh, do you have any cast? Okay, so I want Christopher Walken to be the voice right. of his father. He doesn't need to appear on screen. I, you know, we're going to keep the cast minimal. I'd like, I'd like mostly to be an introspective piece about this boy and, um, yeah, I think I'll leave it up to our producer who we want to cast. Who do you think you'll be in this role? All right, and that's the cue for you, Mr. Decker. All right. So I don't know if our writers aware of some cinema history. There's a great, well, and, and literature history. So Rudyard Kipling wrote a, a novella called The Man Who'd Be King. And there was a great film starring Sean Connery and Michael Caine, directed by, I believe, John Huston. Great epic exploration film about them traveling through India and Pakistan and everything and getting into shenanigans and very great period of peace. So I think we're going to play off of that a bit. So we need we need a, the, the, a buddy for the, for the the Kid King here. So we're going to cast uh, the Kid King is going to be played by Asa Butterfield. The uh, He's from Ender's Game. He was in Hugo. The kid, I mean, he's 19 now, so he's a little, but he can play 16. But he's going to have his uh, someone else of similar age. He's going to be like his uh, his squire or his like right hand is kind of a guard. And we're going to have that played by Justice Smith, who's uh, recently seen in the Get Down. He plays the lead in that. Very good, young, up and coming actor. Great presence. He can really play the kind of tough guy with a heart of gold to play off each other. And I like the idea of them searching for the armor. So the first half of the movie is then we're going to have them exploring. The kingdom looking for the armor playing off each other really building that friendship as they go and do that and then what you all want to do with that from there but but it's really the the we really want to emphasize the relationship the complete platonic but we maybe can hint on some homosexuality They're very slow because we want to be inclusive 
you know, like we won't ever have, it's a kid's movie, we won't ever have any explicit, but we'll go as far as like Sam Frodo type bromance there to where there might be some, you know, longing feelings at the end of the film for all we know. We'll let you all decide how you want to edit that. As far as budget, I want some big, I'm going to make this pretty big because I want some nice look, I want great sets, great costumes, want some location shots. We got to build a couple CGI castles. Uh, we want at least one piece where the, the the two leads team up to fight some kind of like mythological creature like a manticore or something. And so we'll do it again. So I'm going to give you a budget of $100 million. Oh, not nice, won't fold, but hopefully this will be a start of a franchise. Like once he becomes king, then they can go on some adventures. So there you go, $100 million. Asa Butterfield, Justice Smith. So, Mr. Writer, you've gotten uh, your script back. They've already started producing and casting. Uh, they've been pretty supportive. So where do you want to take this from here? Yeah, man, I'm glad the producer um, is supporting us. The Rudyard Kipling, I think the spirit of that. Even if it was the boy who would become king, and I love that camaraderie um, that we can get that. I think I think the Disney Channel audience would really connect with that, with kids and, and friendship. And um, I can see a trilogy. I can see it kind of starting out very dreamy and fun, uh, but kind of by the third, it's filled with a lot of temptation. You know, uh, you know, their friendship ends up drifting because they have different ambitions. Um, but I think here we just want to sow just some seeds. I think the the monster that I would love for them to fight be a physical monster, but by the third, I would love for it to be kind of their own ambitions. Uh, their selfish ambitions and the, and the third one a lot more internal but with their friendship kind of traveling i think they just have a lot of identity issues and they kind of solve their um, insecurities with victories physically whether it's small creatures in the desert or, or larger kind of dragons to where you know they kind of face and i think kind of playing off with the the father um, of their past um, i think some of those dream sequences can kind of blur with the reality of right now and um, you know the the son won't really know uh, who he really is um, until he decides to take a stand and say, you know, that was the past. And the end of the movie, I, I don't want him to really find out who his father was and there is one piece still missing. And so, um, and I think part of that seed that I want to have is that secretly his friend has taken one of the pieces and stolen it. And that'll be revealed in the next movie. And that'll kind of sow a seed of dissension between the two. And so, but he has enough, he has enough to um, have a sense of self-confidence by the end of the movie to um, take hold of the crown and have a friend there during the process. And so, but he's too young for romance, so really it's just all about the, the bromance and the adventure and the victories, kind of just the whole mental battle. So um, he's, he's not wealthy yet, but by the end of the movie, he's gonna be really wealthy and he's gonna have a lot of pressures by the next movie and a lot of voices in his ear. And I think it'll be uh, a different character that'll be that the audience will see the second movie. Um, they'll see a much more mature character who has to deal with a lot of pressures, you know, and a lot of new pressures as a king. And we'll get to see whether or not he buckles under those, um, or if his friendship buckles under it. So, and we're passing on. All right. Now I really love the direction we're taking this with the the tension and the friendship and the camaraderie. We want to play this up a lot because I think our audiences are really going to love this. What I really, and I, we want to do a lot of emphasis again on the past and present dynamic. I really enjoy what we're going with here. I think maybe his father, the mistake his father made was not trusting his companion at the time. And maybe this was uh, our current king's 
father. There maybe his family has been in service to their family for a while, so they kind of go back generations. And his father made the mistake of not trusting the um, which which one do we have? Which Smith is the is the companion, and and Butterfield is the correct is yeah, the I mean, yeah yeah. So and of course, in the the ship on Tumblr is going to be Buttersmith, which it'll be fantastic. We love that. Getting to produce a territory there. Sorry, I'll handle that. You just make me a good flick. So the um, the mistakes and and we're, there's going to be a lot of tension because the the audience will see the father make this mistake and you know throughout the film we're going to see Butterfield being kind of hot headed and it seems like he might make the same mistakes his father did and we we want them to to pull together and to defeat this manticore and collect his father, the last piece of his father's armor, or one of the last pieces. Let's say it's a gauntlet. Gauntlets look good on screen. And uh, complete the ceremonial armor that his father, uh, unfortunately, lost in the in a fight to the death with the manticore that uh, he, you know, failed because he didn't trust in his companion. So uh, we'll have a lot of this exciting dynamic Right. We're gonna spend. Uh, we're gonna put a lot of emphasis on this manticore. We're gonna put. Uh, we're gonna try to get as many practical effects as we can because you know, just we can face it. Practical effects look better. Um, you know, we'll do CG where we have to, but again, this the fights and everything. We want there to have a physical presence that'll bring out the best in our actors. And uh, and yeah, and I think this is this is where we're gonna go with this. All right. So I've seen the first cut of the movie. I'm gonna say. I'm really loving what we have. The cinematography is fantastic. The actors have great on-screen chemistry. The action set pieces are fantastic. Their early cuts of the CGI Manicore are looking really slick. There's one big turd in the punch bowl with this film, though, and that's Christopher Walken. Having his stunted delivery narrating an epic film takes it out of place, and it it's almost makes me just... It's, it's bad. I mean, it's... It might be one of the worst mistakes in cinema history to have him narrate a film. Uh, luckily, I caught it before we released it to the public, and we just did some test screenings. And it's just a narration that's easy to cut out. So I pulled some strings, and with our budget, I convinced Gene Hackman to come out of retirement to narrate the film. Because I, I said, do you really want the last film you ever did before you retired to be Welcome to Mooseport? Which was the last film he did in 2004 with Ray Romano. So he, I mean, he realized doing a big, narrating a big action flick and doing a couple flashback scenes of the aged king passing on wisdom to his son was a much better way to go than Welcome to Mooseport. So he's actually able to work for pretty cheap. In fact, we've, we, he's working for Scratch, plus we made a big $2 million donation to his favorite charity as far as so, and we can write that off on taxes. So that's like only like... $500,000 with Hollywood accounting. So he's cheap. I've already heard the first few scenes recut with Gene Hackman over Christopher Walken, and it's night and day different. Like, it's we still have hope for that trilogy with Gene Hackman. Christopher Walken, we'd be one and done. Oh, yeah, I've, I've already working with marketing for the titles to the sequels. So we have The Boy Who'd Be King, and the second title is The King Arrives. And the third film is Long Live the King. So we've got that pen. We've got uh, Asa Butterfield on a three-picture deal locked in. So if he does take off and get big, we're not paying him anymore. Justice Smith, he'd only do a one-picture deal. We'll see how it goes. We may have to kill his character off or just cast another young black man in his role for the sequel and no one will notice. 
you know, let's work for another young black actor. So, I mean, that's a good thing, right? Right? Yeah. I think so. I think that's what the that's what the HR department tells me. Diversity is good. So, what I know. So, we're set there. I'm really happy with this final cut. I think we got ourselves a winner. Oh, by the way, last minute, I could not get John Williams to, to hit the score like I did instead. So, I got I got Danny Elfman last minute to do the... the but he's, he's good. He can do a nice big soundtrack whenever you need it. And, yeah. So we're good. Hans Zimmer also said no just because he was busy working on another Christopher Nolan thing where he just plays the same thing over and over again. Bam! Nolan! So, yeah. But, but you know, Danny Elfman, he's, 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 he's bad. He's, you know. All right. He's not bad. So it's not good, but he's not bad. I had to send this uh, through the movie machine twice. Uh, the first time it got confused because I had calibrated it based on some of your previous uh, films that I've given it. <laughs> for a certain expectation. So it wasn't expecting an actual movie. So after setting that back to default, uh, putting that in, um, so you've gotten some pretty good results. A little slow in the first week, but uh, positive word and mouth, been getting more and more people to see it. It wasn't as popular with the Disney Channel demographic as you originally intended, but um, it's really starting to strike a chord with an older audience. It's actually getting uh, recognition at the Oscars. Might we don't know if it'll it might get snubbed. It might get in. It might get in the top five. We don't know. They I assume... they nominate ten for best picture now. Oh really? Yeah. Well, okay. So that's good. The movie machine didn't know that, so I will update it. But yeah, no, you are gonna make your money back, and I'd say your sequel prospects are looking really good. Um, do, we make, do we make a profit? Oh yeah. Definitely. Um, Like I said, it's not something you make your profit in the first weekend, and even by the second week, people aren't 100% sure. You know, it might not have made it, but positive word of mouth is getting people in it next few weeks, and um, you're able to make a solid enough profit to make at least the second of your intended trilogy. So hopefully you knock that one out of the park too. But with that being said, is there any changes you'd like to make maybe to make it even better? Or worse, I guess, if you wanted. Um, so we're going to start with you. Yeah, so I think I think this generation doesn't know what great story it has on its hands. So I want to make a direct-to-DVD cartoon show that is set in between the first and second movie. You can just get anyone to animate it. You know, maybe we'll get those people who animated the Sonic the Hedgehog series. Uh, which one? Yeah, which Sonic the uh, Underground. Oh, oh uh, yeah, definitely the better of the two. Yeah, um, three, three. There was three, mm-hmm. or Sonic X, or Sonic the Hedgehog. So yeah, or we could even get like those who do like the Jack and the Pirate show or the Pup Patrol. It can be three D or two D, but I think there's a demographic that we could get with this story. We don't want to tell too much. We just want to tell the in between. So and that might give us some time with. Um, the actors give them some breathing room. You know, we can kind of ride that for a while. And I think the story that we want to focus on is really about the dad. It's a throwback. So we kind of have him in his heyday, and it's a stark contrast. The kid who, you know, the dad was very, very arrogant and very, uh, you know, faced a lot of defeats you know, until he became the very wise king. So, so we would make that cartoon. You know, I, I think we have enough to roll with it. And I think uh, I just want to go another swing at that Disney demographic. That's where all the young kids are watching now, right? On their iPhones. Oh, I think and so. Ne- right? Netflix, Disney's on Netflix too. 
Oh, I, yeah. I believe it. Yeah. All right. I think that one thing that I, again, I, I think maybe the kids didn't didn't catch this. I really want to make sure they understand that the manticore, aside from being a physical creature, is also a metaphor for a coming of age. You know, they really like, you know, it's manticore, man, adult. You know, there's there it's the trials that they have to overcome. <coughs> to graduate from being a young adult into a a full adult that has responsibility, runs a kingdom, and defeats manticores. (laughs) You know, maybe the kids didn't get this in the first pass, so, you know, we'll put a little bit more in the script about that. Make sure that they, you know, that it's that it's playing on their level. (laughs) You know, that's that's my major edit. I I think uh, beyond that, I'm I'm happy. Yeah. I think um, uh, we'll keep keep the focus where we've got it um you know i'm i'm disappointed in that our lack of christopher walken gene hackman is he did such a great job that i really i can't uh i i have to admit <laughs> walken may have been a miscast so i'll i'll see i'll see that point this time it's on the dvd though so don't worry oh that's good that's good and you know yeah, when it's the, on the gag reel Specifically, well, as long as he's in the credits, I'm pretty sure he'll be happy. I mean, he's he seems easy to please. Yeah, I made sure that didn't happen either. <laughs> I sent him a fruit basket. He's okay. Oh, okay. And two tickets to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> you know, he's a surprising fan of Chuck E. Cheese. I like the mouse. Wow! Look as I put balls in the bucket. <laughs> Look at this cheese and this pizza. <laughs> I've never talked to the guy, so I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, Mr. Decker, I'm really happy about it. Uh, one thing I know we can make a little more money. And make sure we got kind of a movie. We don't quite get the younger audience, but we're the way we're going to do that is we're going to make a line of action figures. Uh, we're going to have the Manticore. We're going to have the King. We're going to have the the his his bodyguard thing. We're going to make some other characters up. You know, those bandits and everything. They made Rambo and RoboCop action figures for kids. And this movie is actually, you know, not a rated R action movie. So the, and those toys did well and made those movies lots of money. So that's gonna, you know, pad the money, make set up the sequel to be more kid to attract more kids, because they'll have all these toys. They'll be like, look, Ma, I wanna go see Boy King movie, you know, and we're gonna have all these action figures. I'm gonna put a, a bit of a delay on the actual animated series, but what we're going to do instead for the sequel, we're going to do a bunch of animated vignettes, All right. high quality, and we're going to put them out free on YouTube as the push for the second movie. Yep. It's going to, going to show adventures of our two main characters. It'll be voiced by the actual actors going on various, you know, Monster of the Week adventures, you know, becoming, you know, it doesn't, you won't have to watch them to set up the movie, but it's just kind of service for the fans to enjoy some more action animated and we can get tons of toys and action figures out of that animated stuff so that's really the only real change i'm going to do um you know and the other thing is we're gonna make a very concerted effort to uh really woo the academy we're gonna petition hard we're gonna do all the sending them you know care packages and bribes and everything else you do to the academy to get more attention to hopefully if not get the best picture nod, hopefully get best director, best cinematography, best script, everything else. So if we don't, do get stuff for best picture, then it'll definitely look like a snub. And everyone will just remember this is the best movie of the year because of all the campaigning and stuff we did on the on the back end. Make sure they know that the Manticore is also a metaphor. 
Yeah, I'm going to leave that out. Anyway, All right. it's a spiky creature that's a, it's, it's conflict. It's the pinnacle of the third act. It doesn't matter if it's a metaphor or not. The thing has spikes. And a stinger. Yes. All right. And with that, I'm going to leave with our uh, patron saint, Guy Fieri, to quote, Mayonnaise, food lube. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> We got that on on tape there. Yeah. Tape? Yeah. You mean on, a, on a solid state hard drive? Hey, I don't know how Jacob edits this, okay? Maybe he transcribes it. <laughs>